This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Aloha, everybody. I wanted to just give you a friendly reminder that I have a free ebook for you if you go to Trader discipline.com. That book is completely free and I want to gift it to you. The name of the book is Discipline and Finding Your Edge. Please sign up for that free ebook now. I just wanted to give a shout out to Investors Underground and Nathan Michaud in particular for his starting his Traders for a Cause, his advocacy for nonprofits, his desire to see traders give back is a lot of the inspiration of why I have Tom Fazzo here today on my podcast. Homeboy Industries is one of the organizations, nonprofits that I support. I love their mission and have had a really big impact reading Tom Fazzo's, their current CEO. He's been their CEO for the past 10 years. Uh, book, which is called The Homeboy Way, which is really an example, in my opinion, of conscious capitalism, and also really deeply affected by Father Craig Boyle, the founder of Homeboy Industries, and his book is called Tattoos on the Heart. And I just want to thank Nate and Zach Shalhas, the director of Traders for a Cause, because I just came back from their conference and was so inspired that I wanted to have this episode be available for all of you. Thank you. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. I'm Kim Ann Curtin, and today I'm very excited to have Tom Vazo, the CEO of Homeboy Industries, with me today. A little bit about Tom, just so you can have some context. He, for the past decade, has been the first CEO, actually, of Homeboy Industries, which is the largest and most successful game rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. Vazo, as a non-paid employee, has led the organization near tripling of its size and its impact. Tom, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I'm going to read your formal bio in a moment, but I just wanted to welcome you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Kim. I look forward to our conversation. I'm really excited because I reached out to Tom because of my being such a fan of Homeboy Industries uh, through LinkedIn. I was reading your book, The Homeboy Way, and connected to Tom on LinkedIn and very unexpectedly found out that he also belongs to the same canoe club that I belong to, Kauai High Canoe Club. So a shout out to them that we both even have that in common. That was such a shock, Tom. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I was out there canoeing this morning. So what are you all, really? All good. good job. I'm so glad to hear it. It's yeah. the best way to start a day. Uh, Tom's in Hawaii right now. And unfortunately, because of my technology, we couldn't do this interview in person, but at least we're in the same time zone. So that's a good thing. And I just want to speak a little bit about Homeboy itself as well. But first, I just want to say part of what's so fascinating about Tom's book, which is called The Homeboy Way, is the fact that he is coming from working in the corporate sector. In fact, he was the former CEO of Aramark, which is a uniform career apparel company, which was at $1.8 billion. So I find it fascinating, Tom, that you have made that transition from not just a corporate position, but a billion-dollar corporate position into the nonprofit world. What's that transition been like for you? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's something I find still find fascinating that, I, that it occurred and feel blessed that it occurred to me. Yeah, you know, 26 years in the very for-profit business sector of our economy. Aramark is a service company, uniform services. I ran the uniform businesses. There's big in food services as well, $10 billion business. And so um, I love business. You know, I even today as the CEO of Homeboy, I go to conferences and speak on behalf of Homeboy, which is a nonprofit. And I say I'm a committed capitalist because because I believe well-run companies are good for our society. But, you know, being a corporate executive, it has a certain amount of shelf life to it. And uh, so I was always thinking about what my second chapter in my life would be. And along the way, though, at Aramark, great company, I learned so much. I started as a young guy out of graduate school and and made my way up to have a very responsible position with a lot of employees there. But I also felt that 
there's something in the way our capitalist society in the United States these days is organized. It's a little bit off kilter that it's it's not just about maximizing shareholder value, and that's what we all think, but really a well a hallmark of well-owned company is taking care of its employees and having a place where people want to work and find their life dreams come true. And so at the end of the day, the way the rules of our capitalist society set up these days is, you know, the shareholder has dominance over the employees. And I've kind of felt like, although I, I love what I did and it was challenging and successful and made money along the way, there's got to be some better formula out there where we can have more of a longer term view of how to help employees, how to help people in life. And so when I had an opportunity, I left Aramark and I had an opportunity to, to volunteer at Homeboy Industries. You know, I was sitting there, a friend of mine who's on the board of Homeboy asked me to go to lunch at the Homegirl Cafe. And I'm sitting there at the Homegirl Cafe, and here it is, is a cafe downtown Los Angeles run by felons and gang members. And I'm sitting there having lunch, and I'm like looking around, recognizing that the folks who are serving me seem to be enjoying their job. They're interacting with the customer. They're pretty dutiful along the way. And look, back in my corporate days, you know, I made 40 acquisitions in 10 years. So you get a feel for the culture of a company, right? But I'm sitting there eating and looking at these employees, realizing I would have never hired any of them when I was in my corporate job. And so that kind of thought kind of hit me. It's like, well, what don't I understand what's going on here? And so when I, my friend asked me to get involved, you know, that he wanted to be on the board. I didn't want to be a board member. I wanted to roll up my sleeves and, and put some of my business skills to work. And I sort of volunteered and uh, I came to fall in love with Homeboy. And I had all the hubris of a corporate executive thinking that, you know, I would come in and work six to 12 months, get them all straightened out and move on. But in the end, you, you just fall in love with being part of that community and you just learn so much more about life, about yourself and about how to help people. Yeah. So that's in short how I, how, how a corporate guy got to a nonprofit along the way. I'm with you in that cafe, imagining you looking around and having that intuitive corporate vibe of like, there's success here, there's interaction, there's enthusiasm, because that's what every capitalist is looking for, because they know that kind of business is going to succeed. But you spoke about this in the book, too, a little bit about, you know, that hubris of like, I'm going to go in there, help them understand and going to teach them some things, which undoubtedly you have done. And yet you spoke about how you were told at the time they would teach you and you were like, Really? And so talk a little bit about how that did land for you eventually, because it's such a beautiful part of your book. I wish I had the book in hardcover, but I bought it on my Kindle. Mm -hmm. A powerful book for every leader Mm -hmm. to read is The Homeboy Way. So Tom, thank you for that book. Well, thank you for saying that. Little thumbnail about Homeboy. We're we're Homeboy Industries, downtown Los Angeles. We're a gang rehabilitation and reentry program. Unfortunately, Los Angeles is still the gang capital of the country, which means it's the gang capital of the world. 34 years ago, Homeboy was founded by a Jesuit priest, Father Greg Boyle. As a new priest, his first parish was Dolores Mission, the poorest parish within the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, essentially ground zero for gang violence. He hit upon this notion, boy, if you, if you can get these young men a job where they can make a little bit of money for food and shelter, they're not hanging out, running with the gangs for food and shelter. And so they have a chance of pulling them away from that gang lifestyle and that life of crime. And so fast forward later all these years, we simply, though, we employ our people and people come out of the prison system. They have to come to our program to be gang involved, being in the gang. You have to have been incarcerated and you have to look to change your life, look to leave gang life behind. And so that's who we are. We're a $30 million nonprofit. We help over 8,000 people a year along the way. And so when Father Greg, who had started the organization, had, you know, homeboy up and down has gone through financial struggles because we try to put all our money towards helping people. So when I show up as a volunteer, a couple of board members leaned over to Father Greg, probably said, hey, maybe you should ask Tom to do a little bit more for us here. And at the same time, it was going through another financial crunch. And so when they asked me to come on board and Greg asked me to be a CEO, I didn't think I was ever going to work again. But the chance to, honestly, the chance to be in Father Greg's orbit for a little bit of time was just too too great to pass up that opportunity. And so I came in and, and looked. And so I already had a successful business career. So it's not like I was going to homeboy because I needed to make my own bones and make my own kind of profile, right? I just wanted to go help because I think so many people out there in the business world want to figure out how they can move to the margins to help people with their skills that they have, right? And at homeboy, that's possible. And so I came in 
recognizing that, seeing an organization that, you know, didn't have the right strategy in place and tactics weren't all, all the stuff you see in, in a normal organization. And I saw I can help fix, help them change and, and get better. But I also knew, you know, this is Father Greg's organization. I'm not going to come in and tell them how to help people get out of gang life any better because because they know how to do it. They've been doing that for all the years. What they were missing on was, you know, how do you find the money? You know, which people should be in which positions? How do you grow the organization? You know, there's so many so, so things that are missing. So I can bring that part of it. And so to me, it was like, okay, I know what I know, but I know what I don't know. And so having that mindset was very important, but particularly if you're going to volunteer in an organization, if you're going from the for-profit world, the nonprofit, you have to have the mindset of figure out what you're capable of and then be open to listen to everything else. And as much as I, the whole point was wanted to be around Father Greg, I've learned so much around, but I've learned way more from being around the homeboys and homegirls who are now part of the team, mentoring other people moving along. And so you know, I learned so much along the way. And that mindset helped me kind of grow as a leader to sit and listen and learn from them and not feel like I have to have all the answers. It's such a beautiful concept to be such a successful leader, to come from so much already success, so to speak, and yet to still be in the headspace that there's more you can learn or different perspectives you can learn from. Mm. What do you attribute that to, Tom, that you're willing to be in that place of humility? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple of ways of you can a couple of ways of answering. Let me let me say this. So in some ways, you, I'm coming into a territory that's so foreign to me, right? I mean, you can see me in the video. I'm, I'm an old white man, right? <laughs> and Homeboy is an organization which is 90% people of color. The clients we serve are second, third generation gang members. They're victims of complex trauma. So the clients we serve are traumatized. They go into the prison system, society system, they come out, and they're very fragile. And they need to be healed along the way, right? And so all their life, they've had people wag their fingers at them. At Homeboy, we learned it's about being in kinship and relationship, which nurtures their own inner strength as it moves along. So there's that recognition, the visual recognition, you're in a space you've never been in before. And then let me give you this quick little story. You know, from a business perspective, you know, Homeboy also has seven social enterprise businesses because mm-hmm. one of the things we've learned is our folks, after they're with us for 18 months, we get them a job elsewhere. And so we have to teach them. They've never had a job before. So we teach them what, how to work. So we have a catering operation. We have a cafe, silk screening, T-shirts, and we have a bakery. So there's nothing better than having guys from rival gangs standing shoulder to shoulder on the bread table rolling dough because you can't demonize somebody in relationship with. So it's very fundamental to what we're about. I tell the story in the book. One day I was walking through the bakery and we also go to farmer's markets and sell our breads. So I heard George asking the manager, can he have the weekend off? You know, me being a new guy, I'm going to come up and chit chat and talk to George. Hey, are you going to go away with the family or something like that? Right. So oblivious, right? To what's going on. And he looks at me and he says, no, I'm, I'm reporting in. What do you mean reporting in? He says, no, I'm reporting the county jail for, for three days. And I asked why. And he said, well, because I have to earn off my debt. Now, these guys come out of prison with a lot of debt. They have restitution charges for sure, but then they have parole costs, they have court costs, and they have ongoing debt. And for society to think that someone can be in prison, accrue debt, they come out of prison and think they can pay it off. It's like, it's nutty. But George was doing it the right way. He wasn't going to his gang members and saying, let me borrow money. He wasn't going to go get loan shark money. He wasn't going to go steal money. He was going to do it the right way. So he was reporting at the prison, you can earn off time on your debt. So I walk away from the interaction thinking, I would have never experienced that in any other workplace I've had, that someone's leaving to go report into jail. The other thing I walked away thinking, that's a pretty responsible thing. He's trying to do it the right way, and he's got to go to prison to earn, earn off his money. So all weekend I was thinking about it and worried, and then I see him on Tuesday. I said, hey, George, how'd it go? And I can still see the stress on his face. And he said, well, he has custody of his two children, eight and 10 years old. He has no family support. wasn't going to want his homies to help him. And so the caregiver who was going to come watch his kids for the weekend couldn't make it at the last minute, but he still had to report in. And so he left his 10-year-old, 8-year-old in the apartment all by themselves for the weekend. I'll get to the end of the story quickly and come back. They're fine. It worked out okay. But the stress, you can just imagine the stress you would feel. Now, listen, and you and I and most of the audience who hears this is thinking about we're judging right away in our mind. Well, why would he do that? Why couldn't he do something different? We we try to problem solve, but what I come to learn is our folks have impossible choices to make just to live and survive life in the quote unquote good way. 
and it's also learn not to judge. You can't judge because if you we're here to help them. So so like within a month after being involved in that story, I'm realizing, oh, I got a lot more I got to learn about the struggles of people who are poor in our society. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, because listen, poverty rate in America has been the same for 45 years. Same narrow band of 12%. We need to do something different. At Homeboy, we help people who are poor and we help them get a job and heal and move up the economic ladder. So there's a way of helping. And that's that's the other thing that motivated me to write the book is saying, come on, business world, we can do more, we can help. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And I'm so happy you shared that story because it does easily indicate how difficult it is when you're in poverty, when you're coming with the challenges that so many people who are in poverty have. And that's a big part of why, you know, Homeboy is like one of my most close to my heart organizations because of just poverty that I had in my own youth Mm -hmm. Uh, and with my mom was a single mom and the struggles she went through. And I can remember just one thing being a domino upon a bunch of other things. Right. If he had no heat in the car in the winter, and I remember she had to get the tire replaced, but the only way she could do that was by missing work. And then she was going to have one less paycheck at the end of like a week. Yeah. And that kind of choice of leaving kids alone, mm. of deciding whether to pay their car insurance or pay for the tire, you know, like become life and Death choices. Uh, uh, oh yeah, and, and right, and I can feel how you're feeling. That and it's like right, the women who have to choose between eating lunch or buying diapers for their babies, right? Correct. And so, like the other thing I like to say to people is like we have this cliche in our society, you know, money doesn't solve problems. I'm saying no, for people who are poor, money solves problems. <laughs> we have to figure out a way of getting people the money so that first domino doesn't kick off everything else. Absolutely, and I think also the thing that is so special about homeboys is this concept that you spoke briefly to of kinship. There are people who maybe they technically know the definition of kinship, but talk about what kinship really means, because I feel not only is it important in Homeboy, but it's important in our culture. It's important for companies to listen to this ability, success that Homeboy has with kinship on the bottom line, because kinship impacts the bottom line in my opinion, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what kinship yeah. is like in Homeboy and for all of us. Yeah, so it's, it's there's a lot of ways you can come about that. First of all, anybody's listening to this, if you ever in Los Angeles, come by and visit us. We have lots of visitors each year. And as you walk through that door, you you would feel a vibe, an energy, a chi. I mean, you just know that people are actually happy to be there. And so as our clients come in, and we have over 400 clients any one day in, in and around the building, we call them trainees. They're part of our paid program and they're from rival gangs. And so again, back to this sort of relationship and what Father Greg teaches us all and encourages us to move the people in the margin of our society and be in relationship with them. Cause it's all about relationships that will move people forward. None of our folks have ever had a positive loving relationship in their life. You know, the difference between maybe you and maybe I'm assumptions here, but like we had a loving parent, at least one loving parent along the way that kind of moved us with. Not our folks never have. And so what we do is have this positive, compassionate, empathetic relationship. And it's not superficial. It's actually real. It's real in a sense of there's hugs involved. As the business guy, I'm in there and I, I see everybody hugging each other. And I'm like, I've been so trained by HR not to touch anybody. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so everybody's coming up and hugging me. And you know, hugs, hugs. <laughs> It's like it's like kind of uncomfortable, but you kind of learn. You kind of learn with it. You feel okay. it, and people want to be hugged. They want to feel that compassion. I mean, homeboy is a very upbeat place. A lot of laughter, right? And I'd be in these meetings, and people would be laughing. They, whoa, whoa, we're not being serious, but yet it's that tonic. It's like it's tonic for the soul. It's, it's and it's not like cutting sarcastic laughter. It's sort well, of self-deprecating, yes. sparkling eye type laughter, and it's. And there's a lot of tears, you know, people quickly will tell you their story and their pain. And that's the way they can kind of come to terms and come to grips with it. And so kinship is about kind of being there for people. It's about compassion, empathy. And so let me broaden your topic, how you said it, though. It's like, I firmly believe now being a homeboy, it's if people want to find self-worth in their job. Mm-hmm. And we help people find their worth at homeboy. And the key part of that is joy finding foundational joy. If you can be joyous with others, that's a way of displaying kinship. And that's what kind of moves people forward in their life immeasurably. And it's not just people who are poor who are finding this. 
they get there quicker because they have less pretense. Correct. It's people in the middle class and upper class is a little more difficult, but work to find joy and, and kinship flows from there. Yeah. And kinship itself, correct me if I'm wrong, as I understood it, and I'm going to also give a shout out to Father Greg Boyle's book, Tattoos on the Heart. That was a book that just, I just wept almost every page, just wept and wept. Mm, because it's a classic, right? It's, it's just constantly speaking to how every either homie that he deals with is struggling with imagining that they are worthy of that love and belonging, of that kinship. And for me, it just brought up all the places I still feel unworthy of love Mm -hmm. and belonging. Mm -hmm. And as I read that book, the book just consistently reiterates how we're all worthy of love and belonging. And there's a quote someplace here. It says specifically about being in kinship with those who are different than you, that are poor, that are on the margins, or perhaps they're, I like to say, like, maybe they're just a different political party than you, a different Mm -hmm. baseball team or football team than you. Like, we have this tendency to put lately, in my experience, a lot of boxes, and it's like, stop putting people in boxes, find a way to connect to them. If rival gangs can find a way to get past that, we can, based on all the different things that are holding us back from kinship. That's what just touched me. Yeah, you nailed it there. And and just reiterate that last part. If rival members, rival gang, enemies, sworn enemies, because they've killed their own brothers and sisters, if they can kind of learn to get past that, which they do, and be in relation to them, almost become best friends, then we should take that as a lesson that this is what we need to move in our society. And I just want to make one another point to this finding self-worth, large part of what Homeboy is based is Homeboy soaked in spirituality. And so clearly Father Greg's a Jesuit priest and all that. But I've come to learn much more about my own spirituality through the homies, through the homeboys and homegirls. Because what I've noticed is how they've learned to change your life is that in dialogue with our teens, right? The biggest thing I learned from Father Greg is that God is too busy loving us to be judging us. And that once these men and women start learning that they can, that God loves them, then they can start loving themselves. And then that allows the positive relationships and allows more kinship to happen, how they move their life forward. So, so whereas, you know, you can hear those words in concept. It's like you see it every day through the men and women at Homeboy and how that all moves it forward. And and that's the beauty of it all. And that's what I've come to kind of learn and to take that corporate life. And now I'm here at Homeboy and, and found my help find my own spiritual path going forward, but also seeing it's really in these men and women who really my life is far richer by being in relationship with them. Yeah. In the book, I think it's in chapter eight, you said you talk about joy being foundational to a thriving workplace. We'll talk about that more. We're going to go into Twitter space in a few minutes for those that are listening to us. And there's a part where you speak to uh, Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who says we have at home the concept of Ubuntu. A person is a person through other, other persons. Pieces. Yeah, that's right. So I read that. I said, exactly. That's what it is. It's like, that's what I come to learn. Oh, boy. It's like you, you can grow as a person. You can find, find your strength through other people if you're willing to open up your heart and your eyes. Yeah. And, make, and allow it to happen. Yeah. But just like those who come into Homeboy and those who don't, very few of us are comfortable opening our hearts mm-hmm. because we've mm-hmm. been hurt, because we've been burned, just like those who go into Homeboy have been hurt, burned, and probably hurt and burned on a much more painful level, right? Literally watched people, loved ones die, their friends mm-hmm. die, their family die, and have be up against impossible odds. And yet it's only through that interaction with other people that Homeboy offers that gives them the chance to take that risk again in relationship because it's so such a non-judgmental space that you all have created. It's a safe space. It's a sanctuary in that sense. It's listen, it's not easy for these folks to change their life. I made it sound easy. But there's always the pull, the pull them back into the gang, back, back into the neighborhood. So they walk through our doors into our building. It's a safe sanctuary space for them where they can just let that outside armor drop. You can just see their 
they take a breath, a sigh, and they can just laugh and cry and yep. laugh and cry with an enemy. But more likely, you know, when they're three blocks away from their office, they can't do that any longer with that guy because their exactly. other gang members are watching. Totally, totally. And so it's not easy. And we have a tremendous success record. We help so many people along the way. Yeah, well, I have no doubt that success record is because it's built on that concept of kinship. And yes. when people are received as whole and when people are received without judgment, I know myself, I show up differently. Yeah, it's amazing so, the differences, right? If, yeah, we're, if we're really received unconditionally loved, the sky's the limit for everybody, not just, you know, former gang members. No, that's right. Exactly but right. They are the least likely to receive that from our society and culture. And it's to culture and society's own detriment because we don't receive them that way. Right, right. So let me like spin that for a second. Right, exactly right. And think about, I'm assuming your audience is a business-oriented audience. Yes. Think about if you're in your workplace, go for a day without judging. How hard is that to do? Because in business, it's like all these, you make all these decisions, you make all these judgments, but how do you not judge people? And that's the thing I've take back is like just Stop judging people, Tom. <laughs> and that's the hard challenge. And that's where I think if we can get to, if we can even practice in the workplace, we're going to get be much better in our own personal, our own personal lives will be much fuller if we just get rid of the, the, the instinct to, to judgment and to measure people and, the, and measure their worth, all those for things. Sure, are all for sure. But I on. truly believe, Tom, that it starts with ourselves. Mm -hmm. If we want to live that way, practice that, we have to start with ourselves because I see especially because a lot of the clients, obviously my firm works with, they are coming from the corporate world. They are, you know, business owners or entrepreneurs. They all have a lot of self-judgment. Sure. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. that is a big part, I think, stumbling block. If you're judging yourself, it's really hard not to judge others. But it, that's why I say it starts with you. Start with that empathy for yourself so that you can practice it and afford to practice it outside of yourself. But exactly even with right. those in tattoos in the heart, he talks about like, until they can get, they have value. How can they start to see the value for all of us? It's the mm -hmm. case, but it's time for us to go over to Twitter <laughs> space. I have still more questions and I want to ask you more things. So let's hop over there. All right, everybody. Welcome so much. Skip, I'm so glad you're here too. Hi, Del, the trainer. Glad you're here. Today, everybody, we have Tom Bonzo. He is the CEO of Homeboy Industries. I'm going to speak a little bit about Homeboy Industries and Tom. Fortunately for me, Tom just gave me 30 minutes of a video interview. And now, of course, we're coming over to Twitter space just to hopefully get more conversation going about how amazing Homeboy Industries is and what incredible work Tom is doing over there. So just for context, everybody, when I did my video interview with Tom, Tom is a CEO of Homeboy Industries. It's the largest and most successful gang rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. Tom is a non-paid employee uh, leading the organization. And over these past 10 years, he has tripled the size of the organization, increasing its impact. Tom's also the author of The Homeboy Way, radical approach to leadership in life. And it truly, that book is an invitation to corporate America and leaders everywhere to create a new bottom line that encourages economic and racial equity. The reason I have Skip here today, there's a lot of reasons, but I asked Skip to be part of this conversation because Skip's gentleman who suggested I read Tom's book in the first place after hearing me rave about Tattoo on the Heart which is by Father Greg Boyle, who is the founder of Hope Boy. So thank you, Skip, for being here. Tom, I just want to welcome you to this conversation on Twitter space. Thank you for being here. Feeling is for an older guy to do this you know, thing feels pretty cool. Glad. I'm glad. I'm very impressed you're willing to do a Twitter space. I know it's a little bit out there for most, you know, corporate types, but now you're a homie too. So you're gonna have to get all it. So Tom, tell those who are listening to us, I I know you just did a little bit about Homeboy Industries, but for those that maybe don't know that much about Homeboy Industries, would you just let everybody know, tell us what the mission is and what Homeboy is up to? Yeah, sure. Homeboy Industries is a, um, we're 34 years now. We're a nonprofit organization helping former felons and gang members change your life around. We help around 8,000 people a year. And uh, we were started 34 years ago by Jesuit priest, Father Greg Boyle, his first 
stop as a priest was in Flores Mission, the poorest parish of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And he wanted to figure out how to help end gang violence and, and how many lives are being destroyed. And so here we are. Greg had a vision and it's been pretty amazing. We're a $30 million nonprofit organization. I quickly say we we raised $30 million and spent $30 million. We put every nearly every nickel towards the mission and we try to help out as many people as we can. One of the things that really drew me, Tom, to your book, The Homeboy Way, and to Homeboy in the first place is the approach that Greg Boyle talks about, Father Greg Boyle talks about in Tattoos on the Heart, which is this radical kinship. And I would just love for you to just describe a little bit about what that is, because even though you may technically know the definition of kinship, those listening, I think it's really important to understand the way homeboy views kinship. Yeah, you know, it's key that there's two words, radical and it's kinship. I mean, kinship is pretty straightforward. It's about having compassion and empathy and being in relationships with people at a really authentic level. And boy, the men and women of homeboy, we call them trainees or clients. They display that all the time. Well, in the county of Los Angeles, over 250 different gangs in the county of Los Angeles, 200,000 gang members. And yet we have people from all different gangs in our building being in kinship with each other, which kind of gives us a sense of in life. (laughs) If these folks can be in kinship with a rival, we should be able to kinship with each other. And the radical part is, I think what pushes us is that, you know, Greg has this also concept that it's really for our benefit. If we move to be in relationship with people in the margins of our society, if we move to the margins, move to the people who are there suffering and struggling, the poor, and we be in relationship with them, be in kinship with them, it makes life much fuller and life more joyous as we go forward. And so another key word of this is about joy at home, boy, and there's quite a bit of that as well. Yeah. One of the things that is a philosophy that I've seen you talk about in your book and Homeboy just in general, when I listen to Father Greg talk, he talks about that we shouldn't be judged and defined by the worst thing that any of us have ever done. Speak a little bit about how you see that applicable, not just at Homeboy, but in business today, in entrepreneurship today. How does that change how we create opportunity for ourselves. Yeah, let me, I want to answer that in a couple of ways. Let me first answer from a kind of a cult business point of yeah. view on this. And, and then I'll get in more into the spiritual part of what that's about, right? And so I think, you know, here I am, I parachuted in, and I got, you know, 26 years in the for-profit sector of our economy for all sorts of reasons, probably more by coincidence, providence that I sort of ended up a homeboy and I'm the CEO of Homeboy. And so I come in and whatever, year 27 of its existence. And it's really a successful organization. It really it helps people who are been second, third generation gang members get out of gang lights, lights of crime, don't go back in the jail system. It helps them move their life forward. So they're successful from that standpoint. And then, you know, in part of Homeboy, we have social enterprise businesses, a bakery, a cafe, a catering, all that stuff. And here we have homegirl Cafe, a Zagat rated cafe in downtown Los Angeles. There's only in downtown, there's only eight other Zagat rated cafes, restaurants as high of a rating. And it's fully run by gang members and felons along the way. Listen, so what society oftentimes demonizes gang members, demonizes felons, and they just want to lock them up forever. And here, if you just take the little bit of empirical side of this, if you hear that we gave them a chance and they moved their life forward tremendously and they're running a $2 million business all on their own. And so it's almost like an empirical evidence thing. You're really judged by the worst thing you've done because you can change your life forward and move forward in a immeasurable, better way for not just themselves, but for their children. So stop the generational cycle of violence and poverty. So that's from a, you know empirical business point. And then obviously from a spiritual, from a understanding humans, you know, we've all made mistakes. And luckily we've had mentors, we've had parents who loved us, who sort of helped us through those mistakes. A lot of our folks never had a parent who loved them and our mentor. And so society's kind of like, they got put into the societal system. So it's like, there's so many ways you can think about, you know, none of us should be judged by the worst thing we've ever done. And we got to keep that mindset as we move. Yeah. I just would like to, for a moment, invite Skip into this conversation. As he said, it's a start, guys. Skip is, we're both inside of an amazing community that Juwad Neon has. And in that community, we came together and shared some favorite books that we have both liked. I talked about Tattoos on the Heart, which talks about Father Greg Boyle's journey with Homeboy a little bit. And then in turn, Skip told me to read 
Tom's book, The Homeboy Way. Now, Skip has actually gotten involved with Homeboy as a volunteer, and I would love to just have to talk a little bit about that experience, Skip. Thanks for having me on. What they've created over there is a giant healing machine. That's what it is. Wow. It's pretty smart. So yeah. that's why I'm over there pestering people all the time. There was some sort of invitation in Tom's book about, come over, do this. I'm like, all right, I'm over there bothering people as often as possible. And, uh, I also found this nice sister, Mary Hodges, the Dominican nun who was at your 5K. The only 5K I've ever gone to, by the way, and I survived. Uh, Good job. You know, this Swami over here, Jawad, said, I had a long conversation with him one day, and he said, go see the homeboys. Wow. And I was like, all right. And then uh, at the same time, someone in the same community and another one of these trading communities that I talked to, uh, I was doing some studying of ancient religions, and it's chapter three of the Bhagavad Gita called Selfless Service. And this is a topic I've studied really my entire life, just on and off. And uh, something clicked, and... I started going down to my local Catholic church and volunteering, making sandwiches for kids. And honestly, if you would have told me that I was uh, down with a bunch of felons and people at prisons, I would have thought, well, hey, I must have become a cop in my late life and I'm arresting them for something, you know. But yeah, here I am and it's a different experience and it's a life-changing experience. So. Yeah. Skip, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm glad you spoke to this because... A real big reason why I wanted to have Tom come here and a lot of the inspiration behind this conversation today is my being asked to be part of Traders for a Cause, which is something that was founded by Nathan Michaud, who runs the Investors Underground. And he started Traders for a Cause because he was so interested in seeing that traders who create such incredible success for themselves learn and understand how to be a contribution back, how to give back. And Traders for a Cause is a fully nonprofit conference to have all that money raised for the different organizations that are nonprofits they advocate for. Of course, I can't wait to talk, hopefully me, into supporting homeboy industries. But I thought, well, this is my chance to really speak with an organization that I believe in that I want to get back to hopefully more and more over time as my business grows. And I think you just spoke about the selfless service, Skip, and how it's spoken to in the Bhagavad Gita. But I'm just curious, for those perhaps who have not ever gotten themselves active in nonprofit, there's so much reward from that. And I just don't feel people realize it's available to them. Tell us about Well, let me tell you, I'm uh, sort of anonymous here, right? So, you know, I'm quite familiar with the good drugs over my length of my life in various places. And this is probably the best time I've ever had. So take it from someone who spent the 90s uh, in L.A. and Vegas. So uh, (laughs) So, so you know what it goes on. It's the best. I do. I do. (laughs) Didn't seem to be a hangover on this one. So it has its advantages. Just the little bit of volunteering that you've already done there. What is it teaching you about yourself as you begin to volunteer there? You know, I wouldn't even call it volunteering. I'm just like hanging out. Yeah. Getting to know each other a little. And it's a view into a world that, you know, it's tough. Yeah, I just want to hop in on that because I appreciate Skip for coming and hang out. And, and you, know, we, you know, the backbone of Homeboy Industries is our volunteer network. We have 40 doctors who volunteer in our tattoo removal clinic. We have 30 mental health professionals who volunteer hours for one-on-one therapies, umpteen number of educators. You know, and a lot of people, and we ask people to come and help us. And I remember when I first joined Homeboy Industries, I was, I was sitting in Father Greg's office and we were chatting about it. And um, we were talking about what's needed going forward. And again, I had all the hubris of a corporate executive. I have my list of things, list of questions and tasks. But we got into this dialogue about that. You know, we're not broken now, boy. You know, we want to evolve. We want to do better. And he said, yeah, just come, be in the community. You'll find your place. You'll find your role. But it's about being in kinship and relationship with people. And so so I say that a lot when people ask me to come volunteer. Oh, boy, look, we're not for everybody. Oftentimes I have donors and volunteers call me up and complain that we didn't answer a phone call. We, our coffee was maybe a little bit of cold. We help people get out of gang life. And it's still that mindset of being in a relationship with people allows them to move it forward. And so 
I encourage everybody to hey, go find a nonprofit, volunteer bus, skip set, just hang out. <laughs> if you only making sandwiches, but you're standing next to somebody else making sandwiches, yeah, that's what it's about. That's a miracle yeah. right there, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So true. So true. Tom, a couple of questions. Homeboy in the streets, it really does change people's mindsets in those that are your clients, but also for the community at large. Just talk about some of the effects you've seen happen to the community and obviously to those who become clients in Homeboy. Yeah, listen, so again, I was answering this question from two ways. We have positively affected thousands and thousands of people's lives going forward. And when people come through our doors, men and women who want to leave gang life behind, they're doing that because they know the life that has been awful. They know they've been abused and are abusing. And they don't want their kids to be that way. They just want a different way of going about it. And so thankfully, a homeboy's here to help make that happen. We've touched thousands of lives that way. I think that what Father Greg has started all those years ago and what we are today, we're a model organization for the country. We, our folks speak on lots of panels and, and we're experts. And, you know, there's a whole subject matter of like gang intervention. You know, we don't do gang intervention. We wait for them to come to us. We work with gang members, not gangs, along the way. And so we have a certain way of going about what we do. You know, interestingly, we're privately funded. Only 5% of our budget comes from the government. Yeah, you know, I would like it to be more, but we got to do it the government way. And we'd rather do it our way since we, and we know our way uh, is successful. We have now what's called a global homeboy network. Well, there are over 150 organizations from around the country and the world who have modeled themselves after homeboy industries. And so, you know, there's a real sort of movement in terms of how do you help people who are poor in our society, people are demonizing our society, and how do you invest in their lives with resources and kinship to move their life forward? Tell us if you would, what you feel, either any traders listening to us now, entrepreneurs, or just business companies in general, what can they take away from the success of Homeboy Industries? The success you've been such a part of for this past 10 years, tripling their impact. What yeah. is it you feel like you want them to walk away with? So a couple of things. Thank you for asking that question. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this and in part why I wrote the book, for sure. Back to what I was saying before, poverty rate in America has been the same for 45 years. Same narrow band. And what I think at Homeboy, what you see is people who are the working poor, people who are poor, people are demonized, are able to transform their life because, you know, they're victims of conflict trauma. In the end, they need a job, right? And so... We need to get them a good job because if they get only a minimum wage job, the gang's probably going to pull them back in because they're not going to make enough money to live on, right? And so business world needs, I want the business world to hire. 15% of every hire they make needs to be people who are the working poor and bring the support resources around so that I think the for-profit world could actually do a large measure of provide a good job and job opportunities for people. So that's like on the scale of what businesses can do. What individuals can do is, Think about moving to the margins of being in a relationship with people that you didn't think you would be. And you'll, your life will be far richer for it and you'll find more joy in your life and more balance in how you go about making decisions. Regarding the concept of kinship and taking so much of the philosophy of the approach to business, I feel homeboys proving to corporations, to organizations, to leaders of organizations that Business can be run, I think you called it, from economic equality capitalism, that we can have this very different take of how we run our organizations. And I would love you to just talk a little bit about that, how that vibe that you have when you were in the Homegirl Cafe, you were like, ooh, this is really successful. You saw that even as you just came into the organization, sitting there that day, there is a vibe like that that seems to be missing from a lot of the companies I deal with. You know, you go into a store, you feel like people are annoyed to have to help you. So what's that philosophy that Homeboy's mastered that all of our businesses can learn from? Yeah, what we've quote unquote mastered is this feeling of kinship, of compassion, of providing support services that you're not defined by your job but your job helps you in your life in terms of money, in terms of resources along the way. And so it's having that culture all throughout your business. Look, I worked a lot in my business world in a public company, private company owned by private equity. I worked for venture capital guys, all those things. And what the business society set up that, that people invest money with private equity, invest money with 
venture capital. And what those firms do is they make bets. They infuse capital into companies and they pick which companies are going to be successful. And so what I'm trying to say is, well, let's take 5% of all that capital and let's invest that into companies that employ people we're working with so that we can create good jobs. And I say that because I, I'm so clear on this. The investment world thinks they need a 15% IRR return on their money. If you only, get, only make 5% return on your money, it is a good, worthwhile business that breaks even, makes a little bit of money, and it can provide lots of jobs. And so the biggest thing we're missing for people at part of our society is good quality jobs. And so let's go and put capital into businesses where we can provide quality jobs for our homies, and not just homeboy homies, but other people that are in the same situation. That's, I think, where the business world can make it. Just as a mindset of not have to be 15% return on investment, you can go back to be 5% return on investment. Let me, since I'm on my soapbox, one more thing. And this is where I get fired. Yeah. Yeah, there's all this thing in the trade press around ESG, all these private equity guys are coming up with funds for ESG investment, environmental, green, all those things, right? But if your social cause is people, it is almost immoral to make money on the behalf of behalf of people if you're trying to help people. So don't put a 15% minimum return on it. Be willing to take 5%, but you know you're helping a lot of people along the way. What's a good soapbox to be on? I'll give you a bigger, I wish I could give you a bigger microphone. If you guys are enjoying this conversation, we only have a few minutes left with Tom, but please spread and retweet that this conversation is happening. I was hoping we would get more uh, participants who listen and follow Homeboy Industries in this conversation because my enthusiasm is about what Homeboy Industries is up to. And I shared this with Tom a little bit during our podcast. But part of the reason uh, they're one of my favorite organizations is because just my own young, you know, youth with my mom, single mom, struggling to really make ends meet. I really appreciate how Homeboy is so sensitive to those who are struggling and in, in poverty to try to just the challenges that those in poverty are up against. I watched all the different challenges my mother faced and the fear of her making decisions over, you know, putting and the embarrassment of putting $5 of gas in the car because that's all she could afford at the time. And that is a big part of why I have so much empathy for the judgment that comes from those that have never experienced poverty. It's easy to have an opinion, but Mike Tyson's famous quote, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And my experience when you have to live in poverty and I watched, you know, my mother struggle, it made me now to this day sensitive in ways that I don't know that I would have been otherwise. And that's a big part of why I wanted this platform to just highlight what they're up to. Because if you're in deep poverty and you have to survive a really challenging neighborhood, you bet you're going to be tempted to go into a gang just to keep yourself safe, never mind your family. And unless there's other alternative options, which rarely happen because a lot of the corporate world doesn't give options to those who are finding themselves in that situation, it's really hard to find yourself on the other side of it. So that's part of why I have you here, Tom, because I want you to speak about that how it's just about opening up our eyes across entrepreneurs, across businesses to start to see that we're all in this together. Oh, yeah, boy, I don't think I can say it better than the way you just said it. That's what I've come to learn. You know, I was 26 years a corporate guy and now 10 years being in this nonprofit space. And looks no great insight, but there are two Americas out there, the America that we all live in, the America that poor live in, and the struggles of just trying to get a decent job of trying to get an apartment and trying to get health care, trying to get dental care, trying to get banking, trying to comes on and on and on and on. And you know, we're one of the richest nations in the world. We should be like that. It's how do you how do you do things differently? And I think what Homeboy has shown is it is their approach. It's a philosophical approach to people. It's also bringing resources to help them move their life forward. And also just some of what Homeboy's success can create that level of success, tripling its success rate, if that old standard of not treating people decently, like you're proving to all of capitalism that you can be a conscious capitalist, that you can make a profit and still make a difference, that they're not separate. And that's also what's so impressive, in my opinion, about Homeboy, is that you guys are proving it every day. Yeah. 
And the struggle is, you know, each week uh, we interview new people to become part of our program. Again, we have 400 people in our paid program, another 100 workers on top of that. Each week we interview about 15. Last week we interviewed 17 people. And just the way the churn works, the numbers, we can only hire one or two of those 15 people. So what keeps driving me forward is how do we kind of make it bigger so we don't have to turn away 13 of the 15. We can serve 10 of the 15. It's the long way. And, you know, it's interesting. That's what keeps me fired up going. If you ever talk to Father Greg, he doesn't care how many people we serve. It's like, who's standing in front of him today? What are we going to do for that person is the important way of going about it. And for any businesses that are listening to us, just around the financial aspect, you talk a lot about your desire for there to be an endowment. Please just, you know, do that pitch because I hope there will be a leader or a company that perhaps is in a position financially to really donate in a significant way what Tom are the ways they could do that to potentially be a contribution to you? Yeah, certainly if you go to our webpage, homeboyindustries.org, there's lots of content on there for you to learn more about Homeboy. We have Twitter, we have Instagram. But for sure, I mean, we have existed and still exist on the immense generosity of donors because most folks understand that they've had a mentor life, they've had a second chance, and most entrepreneurs who've done well, they become the Homeboy and they see that that well, we're doing the same, just in a different realm. And they also see that, boy, we're pretty bare bones and we get right at it. It's not like there's a big infrastructure around what we do. It's like their money gets put to use to help as many people as possible. And and I'm always, since I'm talking to a business audience, I'm always looking for business help along the way. Our folk have an innate sense of business and leadership. And uh, if we just need to bring in some more of the skill sets of how to run a formal business, that's so very important and, and sounds like we're ending, but I do want to make one last mention. The other thing we're very proud of, oh boy, I'm proud of is over half of our management team are former clients and people with lived experience. And so when you think about diversity and, and equity for, and leadership, we put a big effort on having people from with lived experience grow from within. And, uh, you know, it's our, my dream and Father Greg's dream that someday Homeboy will be run by Homeboys. <laughs> And there's a lot of lessons to be learned, what it takes to kind of develop people who've never been in the formal workplace, but how do you move them up the ladder because they have great ability and loyalty and skills. And from a business perspective, you know, there's no better workforce out there. I'll put my workforce up against anybody else's. Absolutely. It's such a beautiful point. And I liken it to, you know, culture is just like a language. Just because you don't know how to speak a language when you're in a foreign country doesn't mean you're not smart. It just means you have to learn the language. Every work culture just has a language. And if you give people the tools to learn that language, the cultural language, their brilliance gets an opportunity to shine. And that's what it feels like you're really asking corporate America to consider. Like, okay, maybe they don't have experience in your corporate culture, but hell, if they've survived prison, if they've survived poverty, if they've survived rival gangs, they clearly are strategically. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely true. They're survivors, without a doubt. They got that in time for them. They're going to be able to be as crafty and creative at strategy and big picture thinking as anybody who's been in the trenches of the corporate world. Yeah, very much so. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much. Let me, before we hang up, any questions here among our listeners, please just raise your hand and I can unmute your mic. And obviously, Skip, if you have any questions, but does anybody have a question direct for Tom about Homeboy or about just your own journey that you want to share in this conversation? Feel free to raise your hand and I can let you have the mic. Well, you have one person that's not that quiet. So let me Good. add one Go thing it, that Skip. I learned reading Tom's book, which is one of the few books I recommend people in business read. Approximately 70% of the people that sort of voluntarily go through there don't go back. You know, they go on to some sort of uh, life that doesn't involve gangs. I know for a poker player, that's a hell of a statistic. And I think for what you guys do, that's, a, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, it's amazing work you guys are doing. Rich people out there, support them, please. Yeah, agreed. Any other questions or statements or just comments that anybody here wants to share? Just raise your hand and I can let you guys. Oh, requested. Great. 
Thanks, Del. How you doing, Del? Hope you're doing good, Del. Hopefully you can speak now. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's more of a statement, but I just wanted to thank you and appreciate for uh, all of the great content and the, the diversity of the material that you provide on the podcast and on the spaces or here. And uh, I really wanted to appreciate Tom, well, what you have done and what you're doing. I was just reading since the podcast or spaces started, I was reading about the uh, homeboy, but it's such a great thing to just put people back in course, you know, it's not just about guiding them from the beginning. Sometimes we're just being sheared away from our goal in life and then great people like you putting us back in, in course. It's a great thing to do. I just wanted to say, well, virtually, and then they appreciate for all of the, the great work. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the comments. Listen, I'm talking a lot about homework with a lot of men and women who make that place happen. It's Greg's vision. And I just see myself as a messenger to back to the business world about what's happening at Homeboy and, and people need to learn more about it. Well, anybody that you know listens at all to any of my work knows I'm an advocate for conscious capitalism. And I feel Homeboy is just such an emulation of what conscious capitalism really looks like, especially the success that Tom has driven in that company for this last 10 years. And thank you, Del, for being so kind and generous. If you do want more of this kind of content, which usually is focused for traders and investors, please go to my website, thewallstreetcoach.com. I have a, a podcast that we usually release every other week. We're a little behind because I recently went to the Traders for Cause conference. And Traders for Cause, I just wanted to give another shout out to them because their conference is specifically about encouraging enrolling traders and investors in giving back, being a contribution trade for cause. Conference is a powerful place, but it also is trying to encourage and teach in traders how to give back, how to be a contribution, and how that can be so fulfilling. I mean, Nate talks about the impact that different causes he's uh, supported has just brought him so much joy. And so that's a big part of why I wanted to do this conversation with Tom Paso because I love Homeboy Industries. They're one of my favorite organizations for me to donate to. And I really hope I'm able to donate even more in the future. And a big part of the reason I love Homeboy Industries is because of just, even though my journey is radically different than those who are the clients of Homeboy, the common denominator I do have is understanding how bad poverty can be. Watching my mother really struggle with poverty in my youth and my sensitivity to knowing how like one flat tire can just have a domino effect on so many things. Her not being able to go to work, not making enough money that month and for us to have food or electricity. We didn't have a phone for a long time because the phone had to get cut off. And I just see when I read Tom's book and I read Father Greg Blunt's book, Tattoos on the Hearth, how, you know, that was bad enough just experiencing that in my little bit of childhood, but I didn't have to deal with gang violence. And I can see just like how hard it is to get a leg up. And that's what I hope everybody on this call at the very minimum just starts to see how we can just start to build kinship with people who perhaps we think are different than us, whether it's, you know, in multitude of departments, which are more common, our pains are more common uh, than we are different. And that's ultimately what I hope you guys walk away from at minimum. And if you're able to support Homeboy, even with a small donation, you know, they have on their website places you can put even just a small donation to what their mission is. And if you want to read an excellent book, read Tom's book, because it's it's really inspiring. And also, I love Tattoos on the Heart by Father Craig Boyle. So anything I didn't say that I should have, as we wrap this up, Tom, anything that I should have pointed to, what question did I not ask you that I should have? Oh my gosh, we can talk for hours about Homeboy and if you want to have me back a second time, I'm willing to do it, but it's, great. listen, it, I've learned so much. I feel so blessed to have this part of my life and I can't speak more highly of the organization. So thank you for the opportunity. You know, it's beautiful to have had you here. Thank you, Del, for asking questions, Skip, for participating in this conversation and for the time you're giving to Homeboy by just hanging out and just being in the conversation. I'm so grateful to you for doing that and for sharing it, that you're, you know, in the LA close to it. Listeners, thanks everybody for being here. If you like this conversation, 
You'll be able to retweet it. Please do if you think it's of value to people. And then the podcast, I got to do 30 minutes with Tom before we came to Twitter Speaks. That will probably go out next week at some point on my the YouTube channel. Everywhere you get podcasts, you'll see the Wall Street Coach be out there with this full podcast, which will be a little bit over an hour long. So there's some content that you didn't get here that Tom gave me in the video portion. Thank you, everybody, for coming to this. Please, you know, again, at least send Juju to Homeboy. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for all your time. This thank you. Very grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.